Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in the book of Ruth, and in chapter 4, we see the people celebrating Ruth and Boaz's marriage, and they make this, this proclamation uh, to Boaz regarding Ruth, and it references Tamar and Judah and Perez. And it can be confusing and it can, it can sound a little bit bleak if you're just vaguely familiar with Tamar and her legacy. She, she, was, uh, she was not exactly the, the, the godly woman you, you, might, you might expect, all right? She was pretty crafty and deceptive. And Judah didn't exactly have the greatest legacy in the world, but the Lord worked through him. And then this guy Perez, who's named in the text, he's, he becomes a part of this descendancy, but, but like, wow, the circumstances surrounding his conception even are pretty scandalous. So like, why would they proclaim this over Ruth and Boaz? They said in Ruth chapter four, uh, verse 12, may your house become like the house of Perez, the son Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. It's kind of a weird thing to proclaim until we zoom out and we see what God accomplished through the messed up situation. Okay, yesterday we were in Genesis chapter 38 and we saw Judah and his sons, Er and Onan, both of whom have been basically taken out by God just for being terrible. And uh, uh, Onan typifies the anti Goel, the anti-family redeemer, anti-guardian redeemer, anti-kinsman redeemer, anti-Boaz, where Boaz steps up and redeems the bride who's in distress. Onan acts like he will at first, and then he completely abandons her, all right? And it's really awkward, uh, and it's really terrible. So here, here's where we pick up in the narrative. It actually goes on to explain what these people are proclaiming over Ruth and Boaz in Ruth chapter 4, uh, really in verses 11 through 12 is kind of where they all celebrate and make this proclamation over Ruth and Boaz. Here we pick up uh, in Genesis 38, <laughs> one of the most awkward chapters in the Bible, right here in verse 11. Um, so Onan has just been put to death for refusing to act like a proper redeemer to his sister-in-law who is widowed. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. All right, so he has three sons, Er, Onan, and Shelah. For he thought he might die too like his brothers. So Tamar went to live in her father's house. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had finished mourning, he and his friend Hira, the Adulamite, went up to Timnah, his sheep shearers. Tamar was told, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. She took off her widow's clothes, veiled her face, covered herself, and sat at the entrance to Anaim, which is on the way to Timnah. For she saw that though Shelah had grown up, she had not been given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. He went over to her and said, Come, let me sleep with you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. She said, What will you give me for sleeping with me? I will send you a young goat for my flock, he replied. But she said, only if you leave something with me until you send it. What should I give you, he asked. She answered, your signet ring, your cord, and the staff in your hand. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. She got up and left, and then removed her veil and put on her widow's clothes, put her widow's, widow's clothes back on. So she's taken the signet ring, the cord, and the staff as collateral until she can get this young goat 
from Judah, her father-in-law. She knows exactly who she is. He didn't know who she was. She has seduced her father-in-law for crying out loud. Now she's also, she's also uh, been deceived herself. Judah did not hold up his end of the bargain. Okay, uh, I mean, it, it does really, really stink for uh, Tamar. Right? She's been left without, uh, she's been left without a husband. And uh, then Shelah was promised to her as her husband, uh, Judah's third son, but he's now married somebody else and she sees all of this. But wow, I mean, like the craftiness, the deception that she resorts to. I've uh, in discussions with uh, in discussions with egalitarians, I've seen I've seen people bring up Tamar like she's some sort of example of uh, leadership in the Old Testament. This is not leadership. Here's what the, here's how the story continues on. Verse 20, when Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adulamite, in order to get back the items he had left with the woman, he could not find her. He asked the men of the, of the place, where's the cult prostitute who is beside the road at Anaim? There's been no cult prostitute here, they answered. So the Adulamite returned to Judah saying, I could not find her. And besides, the men of the place said, there's, there's been no cult prostitute here. Judah replied, let her keep the items for herself. Otherwise, we will become a laughingstock. After all, I did send this young goat, but you couldn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar has been acting like a prostitute and now she's pregnant. Bring her out, Judah said, and let her be burned to death. As she was being brought out, she sent her father-in-law this message. I am pregnant by the man to whom these items belong. And she added, examine them. Whose signet ring, cord, and staff are these? Judah recognized them and said, she is more in the right than I, since I did not give her to my son Shelah, and he did not know her intimately again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twins in her womb. As she was giving birth, one of them put out his hand, and the midwife took it and tied a scarlet thread around it, announcing this one came out first. But then he pulled his hand back, out came his brother, and she said, what a breakout you have made for yourself. So he was named Perez. Then his brother, who had the scarlet thread tied to his hand, came out and was named Zerah. That's the story of Judah, Tamar, and Perez. So in Ruth chapter four, when the people of the city proclaim, may this woman, uh, may your house become like the house of Perez, the son Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. Those are three names that, that really in, uh, evoke the story of scandal. So like, why would they proclaim that? On one hand, it is redemptive because Boaz is acting like a true redeemer, a true Goel. He has succeeded where Onan failed. But there's, it's not just about Tamar and it's not so much about Judah, it's really about Perez and his breakout. There's a, bit of a, there's a bit of a parallel here between like this lineage and the story of Jacob and Esau, right? You have these twins and then, you know, the older would serve the younger. That's, that's uh, this proclamation that God made completely reversing the, the, the birth order trend. It was just to show his purpose in election that uh, God predetermined before the twins were born, before they did anything right or wrong, that uh, Jacob, the progenitor of Israel, whose name would be changed to Israel, would be the boss, and that Esau, the progenitor of Edom, whose name was interchangeable with uh, the nation he fathered, would actually be despised as, as prophesied by Obadiah. There's similarities here. It's really about how Perez is 
this breakout story where it looks like, oh, he's going to be the younger, which means that he's going to serve the older brother. And then no, through some <laughs> breach womb wrestling match that goes on that we don't know about, he breaks out first. And so for that reason, he's named Perez. It's what his name means. Boaz was an older man and he was single. It didn't look like he was gonna get married or have kids or anything like that. But now because of what's happened with Ruth, Ruth has come to him from Moab, from a different country, right? And there's been scandal in the, in the history of Moab, but here's Ruth. She's been nothing but loyal. She has become a worshiper of Yahweh. She is a woman of noble character. So it's not to conflict Ruth with Tamar and all of Tamar's trickery. It's not even to conflate Boaz with Judah and all of Judah's sinfulness. Like Boaz has been in stark contrast quite righteous. Rather, the two of them together are this breakout story. It's the era of the judges. Things are going bleak. Elimelech died. Maclone died. Kilion died. It was looking really, really bad. But now there's this breakout success story where Boaz and Ruth are now this incredible, godly, esteemed family. And Naomi is well cared for. She was bitter but now she's, it said, Naomi has a son. And so that's, it's a breakout story of success. That, despite the origin story of Judah and Tamar and Perez, that's the real reason why the crowd looks at Boaz and Ruth and says, may this woman, may your household be like that of Perez. They're not saying may your house be like that of Judah. May your house be like that of Tamar. No, may your house be like that of Perez. The breakout success story from the midst of scandal and darkness comes redemption. That is what they're proclaiming over Boaz and Ruth. So may you likewise have a breakout success story, despite the scandal of your family's past, despite even the scandal of your own making. May you have your own Perez story and repent and break out in righteousness.